Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 33 of Genesis chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 23 and 24. Therefore Jehovah God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Well, in our last study, we were looking at verse 23, and we saw that God, uh, in sending forth the man from the Garden of Eden, and the Garden of Eden represents the kingdom of God. It's uh, the It was the outward representation of God's kingdom on earth. And the word sin has to do with being sent forth with the gospel. And when God sent forth to man to till the ground, that was language that identified with uh, bringing the gospel to the world. And we we saw that uh, the man um, has been a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, Christ is God, and we saw that the word till is translated as husbandman. And in Zechariah 13, verse 5, let me just read that again uh, to remind us all. In Zechariah 13, verses 5 and 6, it says, But he shall say, I am no prophet, I am a husbandman, for man taught me to keep cattle from my youth. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. And we saw that literally the translation of I am a husbandman is I am a man, a tiller of the ground. And it's clearly a messianic reference to the Lord Jesus who had the nails driven into his hands. And and so also in the New Testament, uh, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. And husbandman means to work the ground, to work the ground, tiller of the ground. And, and, and so Adam here is a figure of Christ once again. But now in verse 24, it says, So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. He drove out the man, and he placed at the Garden of Eden cherubims, is referring back to God, the the masculine pronoun he is speaking of Jehovah. God drove out the man, Adam, from the Garden of Eden. And again, the Garden of Eden represents the kingdom of God. And and also, since God placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims, the the word east or the direction of the east 
identifies with the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And so that's a little confirmation that we're understanding the Garden of Eden correctly. It is typifying the kingdom of heaven. And now man has sinned. Mankind has broken the law of God and God has driven them out from his kingdom. They, they are no longer within the kingdom of heaven. They are outside the kingdom. And, uh, and that is where man spiritually is situated due to his sins. God has separated from him and, and cast him out. Actually, the Hebrew word translated as, uh, drove out. He drove out the man, uh, is a word that identifies with being under the wrath of God. And we we see this word used in several places. Let's turn to Exodus 23, beginning in verse 28. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against thee. By little and little I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. And I will set thy bounds from the Red Sea, even unto the Sea of the Philistines and from the desert unto the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and thou shalt drive them out before thee. The Lord is referring to the land of Canaan and the the nations, the Gentiles that inhabited the land that sinned against God. They they committed uh, evil. They they did wickedly. God, in driving them out, was judging the inhabitants of Canaan, the seven nations of Canaan, and and so the word drive out here that's used over and over again relates to those nations that were driven out being under the wrath of God. In Exodus 34, it says in verse 11, Observe thou that which I command thee this day. Behold, I drive out before thee the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. And, and again, and we can find other similar verses. God is driving out these nations. He is disinheriting them and giving the land as an inheritance to the children of Israel. They will inherit the land. And it's really a picture of what God will do at the end of the world. God will drive out the natural man off the face of the earth, the unsaved inhabitants of the earth will be destroyed in the world too. But then when God recreates or creates a new heaven and a new earth, he places his people upon it. And, and the way God views it is the meek will then have inherited the earth. The, the elect of God will take over the earth. The others were driven out. 
and in their being driven out, they they came under the wrath of God, and really, it, it identifies with being destroyed, with with being annihilated, and gone forever. Once God has driven you out, it, it indicates you are subject to the penalty of total destruction. In the book of Judges, it says in Judges 11 of um, Jephthah in verse 2, And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's sons grew up, and they thrust out Jephthah, and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. And they said this because Jephthah was born of a harlot. But Jephthah would eventually be their deliverer. He would be the judge that would deliver uh, the, the Gileadites from the enemy. And therefore, he's a type of Christ who was thrust out. It says in verse 7 of Judges 11, And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, when they wanted him to return to deliver them, Did not ye hate me and expel me out of my father's house? And the word expel is the same word, drive out or thrust out. And why are ye come unto me now when you're in distress? And, and, and so we, we can see that being driven out identifies with being hated. And the unsaved, the wicked of the world whose sins are upon them are hated by God. Jacob have I loved, but Esau I hated because of sin. And so to be driven out relates to God's hatred and God's wrath, uh, at least in the case of being driven out of the Garden of Eden. God's hatred is upon man. God's wrath is upon man because they have sinned. It's the same word that we find in Genesis 4. It's uh, used in relationship to Cain, who has killed his brother Abel, and and so God uh, now judges Cain, and and says in verse eleven of Genesis four, and now art thou cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand, when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength, a fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto Jehovah, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And and then it goes on. But here we see that um, God's judgment upon Cain, Cain recognizes is a punishment. My punishment is greater than I can bear, he said. And he also says, thou has driven me out this day. And that's the same uh, word, same type of language that we find in Genesis 3 in verse 24 where God drove out Adam before he ever drove out Cain, God originally 
drove out Adam from the Garden of Eden. And then the Lord placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims with a flaming sword, turning every way, um, keeping the way of the tree of life. This is language of God's wrath, his hatred, and of punishment. Punishment. You know, all men, even before Judgment Day, all unsaved mankind were under the wrath of God. As it says in John 3, in verse 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. It remains on him. Every sinner throughout history, from the time of Adam and Eve's fall into sin, had the wrath of God abiding upon them. And, and so God drives out the man in his wrath, in his fury. It is indicating this person is despised, is hated, due to the fact that they have broken the law of God, they have transgressed God's law. And uh, let's let's go to another word where this another place where the Hebrew word is found in Jonah chapter two, the word translated as drive out in Jonah two, when Jonah has been swallowed by the whale, and from the New Testament, when Jesus says that as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The Lord Jesus then makes an equivalency where he likens Jonah's experience in the whale's belly to his own suffering under the wrath of God. And and so when we read Jonah chapter 2, that's what we are really reading about its language pointing to Jesus Christ under the wrath of God. And it says in Jonah 2, beginning in verse 1, Then Jonah prayed unto Jehovah his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto Jehovah. And he heard me, out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice, for thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. And the two words cast out is the same as being driven out that we have in Genesis 3. Jonah is saying, I I am driven out of thy sight. I have been removed from the presence of God, from the face of God, and now I'm in hell. And and hell is a condition, ultimately. It's not a place. It's why Satan and the fallen angels could be in hell from the time of the cross all the way throughout the New Testament period, and yet be roaming the earth, Satan 
like a, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And, uh, and it's how, when God brought Judgment Day on the world on May 21, 2011, he brought the unsaved into the condition of hell, of being under the wrath of God, but this time in an official manner, because it is the official day of reckoning, the time of punishment. And so this word has everything to do with the wrath of God, the anger of God uh, upon sin. And and that's exactly what we see here uh, again in Genesis 3.24. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims. So God um, has driven out the man, indicating his punishment and wrath upon him and 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 now the man cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Um, God has now placed cherubims to protect or guard the way into the kingdom of heaven. Once man is driven out, man no longer is part of God's um, kingdom. He He will not enjoy the presence of God, the blessings of God. No eternal life, and uh, and yet somehow there is still a tree of life. There there is a tree of life in existence. Uh, it it is um, accessible in one way. You have to go through the cherubims, and the cherubims are uh, like these uh, all-powerful security guards that are protecting this narrow way that leads to the tree of life. Actually, it says that the cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So, uh, if you can picture... This flaming sword, a sword on fire, a sword burning. And the sword itself, if it cuts you, will kill you. The fire itself, if it touches you, will burn you up like stubble. And and it's a flaming sword that is not um, just in one position that you can go around, but it's turning every way. Every way. So you can't go to its left and you can't go to its right. And there, there is no, uh, passable way past the sword. You, you just simply cannot, um, make yourself small enough or, or try to get around this flaming sword in some kind of way, it's impossible because it turns every way, every way, every way man can think of. If you want to go above it, well, you'll you'll be cut and burned. If you want to go below it, it's the same. Every way, there's just no pathway, there's no road uh, that that will get a man safely past the cherubim and the flaming sword in order that they can 
finally reach this um, incredible tree that if they can manage to to take of its fruit, they can live forever. Man already has done uh, just unbelievable damage to himself by taking of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and bringing death, eternal death, eternal destruction, annihilation to himself. But now there's another tree. Only this tree is not so easy. Actually, this tree is impossible to reach. It It is uh, off limits, you know, um, in the world today. When men have something valuable, they guard it and they protect it. And there's all kinds of stories of people who want to take their valuables, take their treasure, and and they have to go through all sorts of obstacles to reach the treasure, to get the gold. And it's uh, just extremely difficult in some cases and and yet that's the tale that men tell. But in this case, the treasure is uh, an abundance of riches, of rich spiritual blessings that uh, will continue on into eternity future. It is eternal life itself. And there is a guard. There, There is a lethal... Uh, presence at the gate that protects the way. And no man has ever managed to get around. No man through philosophy, no man who has developed a religion, uh, of not the Muslim, not the Buddhist, not the uh, Mormon or the Jehovah Witness, not Anyone who has developed some other kind of gospel, some other kind of way, because the sword turns every way. And when people try to come through um, the the Hindus' thousand gods, the flaming sword cuts them to pieces and then burns up what's left of them. When people try to come the way of Muhammad and the religion of Islam, The flaming sword cuts them to pieces and then burns up what's left of them. It, it turns every way and, and it keeps the way of the tree of life. The way that Jesus said he is. Remember in John 14, in verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, isn't that something? Isn't that mysterious? Because Jesus says, He is the way, the life. And here we have in Genesis 3, the way that leads to the life, the tree of life. And... And yet, in order to get down that pathway, that narrow way to reach the tree of life, you have to go past cherubims with a flaming sword. But Jesus didn't say in John fourteen six, No man cometh unto the Father except by cherubims and, and uh, holding a flaming sword. 
but he said, by me, by me. And, and that identifies Jesus. It relates Jesus. It ties together Jesus with the cherubim and the flaming sword. You have to go by him to get to the tree of life. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.